morning. It is good to see all of you and uh, very excited to be able to uh, have church together and to be able to worship God together. That last song is absolutely one of my favorite songs. I love that song. The idea of just praising Jehovah, but not only us, uh, all of creation getting into it, getting into praising God together. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I'm going to be talking about spiritual friendships today. It's a continuation from something I started last week, talking about Jesus and the one another way. But uh, today I want to focus specifically on having good friends that we can depend on, that will help us and will help them. Mutually beneficial friendships that are spiritual friendships. And so I'll dive into that in just a moment. Um, one of the things that I uh, love about studying is just uh, learning new things. And so even as I uh, got into this this week, I was learning some new things. And, you know, I had a moment this week in which within an hour, I had some of the most, not I shouldn't say it that way. It wasn't like earth shattering. I had some discouraging news. That's probably a better way of putting it. I had some discouraging news. But within an hour, it flipped and became super encouraging news, all within an hour. And so, would you like to hear about that? Okay. Well, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to tell you anyway. So, <laughs> so here we go. I had signed up to present a paper at an academic conference, okay, specifically on J.R.R. Tolkien. And you can see my inner nerd coming out right now as I talk about it and smile about Tolkien, okay, and even try to pronounce his name in the proper way, Tolkien. Um, but I, and it was accepted, and I was so excited. It was actually the largest gathering of theologians in the world, 10,000 theologians coming together. In, it, it happens every fall around Thanksgiving, and this year is in San Antonio, Texas. And so my paper was accepted in this token studies section of this gigantic conference. And I was so excited about it. I'd been working on it, planning on it, started the writing of it, had the outline done, and that's what they accepted. And, um, and it was, yeah, I was getting so geared up for it. And then I got a message, I got an email that said, sorry, the token study session of the conference has been canceled. I know, that's, I was like, oh, come on. Just throw my dreams and dash them to the rocks. You know? <laughs> I was just so bummed out about that. And so I was living with it, you know, and living with it. And then I got an email within the hour. And just by chance, I sent the same proposal about Tolkien and a saga of two dark ages. That's the name of it, okay? And I, I won't get into that because that would be way too much on a Sunday morning for all of you. I, I wouldn't put that off on you, okay? Anyway, for, but the, the academics are going to get it later in the year, and I'm really going to fire it at them. Uh, but a tale of two dark sagas. And so I thought, you know what, since I'm working on it, let me just send it to the Tolkien Society and see the chances of them accepting it, I've never really done any writing on Tolkien. Uh, I'm not a Tolkien scholar. I just uh, love him and have studied him a lot. But anyway, there's no chance. There's no chance that they're going to accept it. Within an hour, I get this email from the Tolkien Society. 
we are happy to accept your paper to be presented at our conference in, um, in August in Oxford, England. I know. <laughs> I went from being, my hopes being dashed against the rock for not going to San Antonio, Texas, to now the possibility of going to Oxford, England to present to the Tolkien Society. And you, my, my voice gets higher and higher in pitch <laughs> as I, I'm realizing that as I talk about it. Uh, anyway, that was so exciting. But here's the thing. When you learn of news like that, what is your, I mean, first you just are like so grateful. And for me, I, was, I had goosebumps. I had, you could call them nerd bumps. You can call them whatever you want. I don't care. I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. And I'm presenting with the Tolkien Society, okay? So that's kind of cool. But um, the second thing you want to do is you want to tell friends, right? I mean, you want to tell friends. But I'm like, who of my friends would understand this? <laughs> but I do have a few. At first, of course, I told Lee. And um, Lee, she got it because she knows how much I love Tolkien. And also, I'd been talking to her about the first presentation that I was so excited about. Um, and so I said, I have bad news, but I have really good news. And so, and she was very thrilled. She actually went out and bought me carrot cake to celebrate, you know, which was, yeah, that's awesome, right? You need friends like that. Um, and so, but then I started calling up some people like David Pachta and, and Valder Koa and some of my fellow teachers, and they were so excited for me. And now I'm going to make a point out of all of that. And that is, do you have friends that you can not only share the good things with, but share the bad things with? Do you have friends that you naturally and organically just want to talk to about things in life? And especially, do you have spiritual friends, spiritual friends that you connect with? And I'm going to dive more into the lesson now. There, I read a book oh, years ago that suggested that all of us who are followers of Jesus have three types of people in our lives. And the types of people that this book suggested was, number one, we should have someone that serves as a spiritual guide to us. Someone like a Paul was to a Timothy, or um, Naomi was to Ruth. Someone like that, that really helps you to learn what it's, what it's about following Jesus. And so take a look at that and just say, okay, who is my relationship? Who is my spiritual guide in my life? And then the second relationship that this book talked about was that we need to have some mutually beneficial relationships. These are people that you just organically and naturally get along with and you share life with, but they're safe people for you. They're people where you can go to them and you could tell them whatever's going on in your life, and the same comes back to you, and you're just growing together. So it's not Paul Timothy. It's more like, and we're going to dive into this one, it's more like Paul and Barnabas, or maybe Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth in that great story at the beginning of Luke. But then the third type of friend that this book suggested we all have is someone that we can provide spiritual guidance for. And so someone that we can mentor in life. Um, and that would be the, the, the Timothy part of the Paul 
Timothy relationship, that there's someone like Timothy, that we're helping them to grow and mature, and we're nurturing them in the Lord, or the Ruth part of the Naomi-Ruth relationship. So I invite you to take a look at your life. Now, here's the thing about those three categories. They shift over time, and they're more needed. One, one aspect of them might be more needed in a particular time in our life than in another time in our life. For those of us that have been around the church for a while, we grew up in the church by someone mentoring us. I can remember thinking back, even when I was um, right out of college in North Carolina, trying to follow Jesus, there was, uh, I, I was in the ministry in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, and there was a, a man who was a dentist, a professional, who um, was a, a really spiritual person, who just said, you know, Steve, let's, let's have a meal together. And that meal grew into us developing a relationship and actually getting together like once a month and him talking to me about life. And his name was George. And that was so beneficial for me as a young man and a young disciple to have someone like that in my life. I really, really appreciate George. And George wasn't there to ask me. It's like, he didn't ask me, oh, who'd you meet today? And how many studies you got? We talked, honestly, we talked mostly about literature because I love literature and he loved literature. And so most of our time was talking about the Bible and talking about literature. He loved Shakespeare. In fact, he had this huge leather volume uh, of Shakespeare on his shelf. And every time I came in, I would pick it up and I would look through it and I would admire it. And as a going away present, when I left Raleigh, North Carolina, he gave me that leather bound volume of Shakespeare's complete works. And now I have it at a prominent place on my shelf. And if you're nice to me at some point in Laos, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's talk Shakespeare first, okay? Um, but I needed that. But, but now, you know, I need to be George for someone else. I've learned a lot over the years. And so I need to look around and see, okay, who, what person can I influence in my life? Now, the fact is also, so all of us can influence people, no matter where you are in life. And you should be reaching out to people and attempting to influence them for Jesus, whether it's studying the Bible with them or just asking them to come out to church or just having a good talk with people or just being a good influence. But more in a more specific way, we can actually get with people that we hit it off with and we can talk to them about life and nurture them. So those are two categories. The other category that I want to really drill down on a little bit right now is this idea of, of mutually beneficial spiritual relationships. I call this the Mary and Elizabeth relationship or <clears throat> the, the Paul and Barnabas relationship. And I'll explain that more in just a moment. Someone once said, good friends are hard to find, harder to leave, and impossible to forget. Now, everyone needs mutually beneficial friendships in their lives. And I'm speaking of close friends that are really friends for life. These are organic friendships that grow naturally over time. They're not contrived. They're, they're not, you know, mashed together. They, they happen. They happen because of, of many different reasons why they might happen. We'll get into some of those reasons. These are friendships where you just don't take from the friendship, 
but you also give to the friendship. And in that sense, I call them mutually beneficial. These type of friendships are safe places. They're people that we can go to to talk about anything. They these friendships encourage us to grow and to make wise spiritual choices. These friends walk beside us in the journey of life. Ecclesiastes 4.10 states, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And we usually think about that with marriage, but it applies to all friendships. It applies to all relationships. We need people at times to pick us up, people to help us mend our bumps and bruises. And we need to be there for people to help them when they trip also and help them to mend their bumps and bruises. Proverbs 27 verse 9 reads, oil and perfume bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of a friend springs from heartfelt advice. Time with spiritual friends is pleasant. That's what this verse is saying here. Do you have anyone in your life or do you have multiple people in your life when when you're with them, it's just pleasant. It's just, this is refreshing. You can just kind of drop your guard and be yourself and you can feel like, ah, this is a good time together. We need those people. They also lend wise counsel from heartfelt advice. They're helpful, but they're not intrusive. They're helpful, but they're not obtrusive. They are helpful and they're kind. And they, they ask, can I help you with this? These are friendships that develop for different reasons. They might be sibling friendships. Like I think in the Bible about James and John, or the sisters Martha and Mary. Or there's friendships that might come together because they a common foe. I think about David and Jonathan growing up in the, in, under the reign of King Saul, if you're familiar with that. In 1 Samuel 20, verse 42, Jonathan says to David, go in peace, go in shalom peace, for we have sown friendship with each other in the name of the Lord Yahweh, saying, the Lord Yahweh is witness between you and me and between your descendant and my descendants forever. So they, they actually had a covenant bond with each other in friendship. And that was, they were, that was prompted by a mutual foe that they had. Or it might be a common purpose that forges these friendships, like with Paul and Barnabas. And we'll also see with um, Mary and Elizabeth as well. First, I want to look a little bit at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, and just see what we can learn from their friendship with each other. Okay, you guys with me? All right, it's in Luke chapter 1. Verses 39 through 45. And I'll read this and just make a few comments about this. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. I know most of us are familiar with this story. 
It occurs after the angel Gabriel informed Mary that she was pregnant. And uh, Mary lived in Nazareth in central Galilee in a very tiny little village in central Galilee. And so it wouldn't take, it wouldn't be very long until news got out that Mary was pregnant and she wasn't married. So Mary hurried south. That's what it says in the text. She hurried south to a village in the hill country, but she just didn't go to anyone. She went to be, to be with her cousin Elizabeth, who also happened to be pregnant. Both women were surprised by their pregnancies, Elizabeth because of her age, and Mary because she had never been with a man. And although they were related, God drew them even closer together because of this extraordinary circumstance. And that's what I want us to see is sometimes circumstances can bring us together and make us even closer. The women shared their joy with each other, which happens in friendships. They also shared their concern with each other, which happens in friendships. It seems that Mary looked to Elizabeth as a safe place and a secure place, which happens in friendships. And they were together for three months, which is quite a long time for them to spend this time together. And they nurtured each other and built their friendship even more during this time. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother or sister is born for adversity. Now, when you first read that, you might think, well, their friend loves at all times. Brothers and sisters are born for adversity. There's a difference between friends and family, but that's not really what the text is saying. And in Hebrew, I won't get too technical here, so I'll just say this very quickly. Uh, this is known as synonymous parallelism, okay? That's how Hebrew poetry is based on thought, not on rhyme. And in this, you have one part of the rhyme, which is built, and the other part of the rhyme just flows right out of it. And they are meant to be synonymous. A friend is there, and a brother and sister, they're also there. And this is what friendships in the church should look like. A friend loves at all times. A brother and sister is born for adversity. A friend will be there for us in times of adversity, just like family ought to be. And we never have to doubt the love of a true friend. Um, we don't wonder if there are alternative motives behind the friendship. We are there for each other during times of hardship, and we know that our friends are not fair weather friends. They will always be there. When the storms of life hit, spiritual friends are by our side. And this is what happens with Mary and Elizabeth. And so sometimes a common event will draw us closer together. I've seen that in my own life, uh, where different things have drawn me to people, and we become good friends because of just this commonality, whether it's with George and our love of literature, or with its teachers and the teacher teaching ministry, where we love each other. I've also seen it in my wife's life, uh, and how honestly, I, I and you know it's unfortunate, but Lee should be preaching this sermon today because she knows much more about friendships than I do. Uh, and some of you are nodding, and that's fine. I I know it. You know it. We all know it. Uh, but I asked her. I said, "What do you? What would you add? What would you add add, add to this?" And um, one of the things that I've noticed about Lee is how, first off, how quickly she can become friends with people. And 
a lot of that is because she is very vulnerable about her own life. And she just shares about her own life. And that draws people in. Uh, another thing is, is that when she gets deep with people, she gets really deep with people. And, um, and they end up being friends for a long, long time. I think about her relationship with Deb Wright. We just went down to see the Wrights a couple of weeks ago down in North, uh, Asheville, North Carolina. The Wrights were in the ministry here in New York for over three decades, and we served together in the ministry for over three decades. Um, and the thing that I appreciate about Lee and Deb's relationship, and I, you know, honestly, when I, I see it happen, I'm, I'm just amazed by it. Um, because when they get together, they talk about, they talk so much about spiritual things. And they talk so much about Jesus. And that's their commonality. Their commonality is Jesus. That's what's drawn them together. And they are their best buddies. They're so safe with each other. They could tell each other anything. They're always there for each other in any adversity. And it all comes because of a deep love that each of them have for Jesus. They both love, I talked about this last week. Maybe some of you went out and saw The Chosen. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> but they love The Chosen so much. They, get, they sit there and they can quote quotes from The Chosen. And the other thing that amazes me about them is that, you know, Sharon and Debbie, and I, Sheridan and, and I will be in the room with Lee and Debbie. And we'll add to the conversation occasionally. But they just can carry it. They just can carry the conversation. And I've never heard, when people's names come up, they are never negative in talking about people. I've never heard them say anything negative about people. They don't talk negatively about the church, even though there are problems in the church and in every church. And there are problems with people because we are people. I mean, if you look in the mirror, there are problems with you looking at yourself in the mirror, you know, and having a relationship with yourself. We're people, there are problems there, but that's not what they do. That's not who they are. And I just challenge you, when you get with your friends, how long does it take for the conversation to get negative a bit? Whether it's about work, or it's about um, people, or it's about the church, how long does that take? For Lee and, and Debbie, it just doesn't happen. It's amazing. And they can stay in that, in that zone of talking about Jesus and God and Scripture and books that they're reading for hours and hours. And Sheridan and I, we have to go out and have a break. We have to go out and talk football, you know, <laughs> or something. It's just, it's, it's, it's amazing, honestly. It's amazing. And I appreciate that that's the commonality there. And it, with spiritual friendships, at some point in a spiritual friendship, that has to be part of the reason the friendship exists. It has to be about spirituality. It has to be about Jesus. It has to be about helping each other to be our best for Jesus. And you see this in even the joy that brought um, Elizabeth and Mary together. There was a joy there because God had called them both to do something special. Now, let me look at for a moment here at Barnabas and Paul. 
Barnabas and Paul, this is an interesting relationship because you see at first it's Barnabas being the spiritual guide for Paul. Some of us would call that discipling partner, and he was. He's the one that picked out Paul and helped Paul in a very tough time, but then they became partners, okay? They became partners, and they went on a missionary tour together to reach Gentiles, but then they also, they um, had um, a serious break from each other. Um, They had a disagreement over who to take on the second missionary journey, and they actually went different directions. And so there's a lot of lessons to be learned, actually too many for today, uh, from Barnabas and Paul. So I'll just give you a couple of lessons to be learned. In Acts 9, verse 27, but Barnabas took him, Saul, and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord, and the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. This is Saul, who would become the apostle Paul, who was a persecutor of the church. And then when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, um, Saul became a follower of Jesus, but the early church didn't accept that. And you can't really blame them because they had lost family and friends because of Saul's persecution. And so they're leery about, is he really telling the truth or not? But Barnabas takes it upon himself. His name means son of encouragement. He took it upon himself to go and find Saul and talk to Saul and basically introduce Saul to the apostles and say, listen, I vouch for this guy. I've had conversations with him. I know he's following the Lord. I vouch for this guy. And in our friendships, we need that. We need people that will vouch for us. We, will pe- we need people that will say, I know this person, and this person is made of good stuff. And that's basically how their relationship begins. And then they go out on this first missionary journey together. And if you look carefully in the text, Barnabas is mentioned first, and then Saul, who becomes Paul, okay? And then in the middle of that missionary journey, all of a sudden, the names get switched. And now it's Paul and Barnabas. Started Barnabas and Paul, and then it becomes Paul and Barnabas. And that happens in relationships too. That There are times in which someone is more influential than the other person. And in friendships, you have to be okay with that. And actually, you should, you should enjoy that. You should enjoy when you see a friend and something great happens in their life. And this is what happens in Paul and Barnabas's relationship. And then after that first missionary journey, they come back and they have a great time on the missionary journey and it goes really well. So they decide, okay, let's go out together and let's do a second missionary journey. We'll go, we'll go out and we will encourage the churches that we planted and then we'll end up planting some more churches. And so they're having this conversation about this and Barnabas says, that's great, let's bring John Mark. And then Paul's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He abandoned us on the first journey. You know, this John Mark, who happens to be your cousin, don't you remember he left and went back home to Jerusalem? Uh, we, we, he doesn't need to come. He didn't make it the first time around. Well, what makes you think he's going to make it the second time around? And the, the text itself says they had a sharp disagreement over this, a sharp disagreement. So much so that Barnabas said, you know what, I'm going to take John Mark and we'll go out on a mission journey. 
and you pick other people and you go on a missionary journey. And let's just, let's just agree to disagree about John Mark and let's go do some good things for God. And so you get a sense there that there was a sharp disagreement, but they also agreed to disagree. And, you know, and sometimes that happens in friendships. Sometimes that happens in relationships. And sometimes scholars and sometimes evangelists want to say who was in the wrong in that disagreement. And I've heard sermons preached on this. And people that are pro-Paul are like, Paul was in the right. John Mark would have held them back. And then people that are more nurturing, they're like, no, Barnabas was in the right because he was nurturing John Mark. And the fact is, is that at that point in time, I think they were both right. I think for John Mark, he needed to be with, the, uh, with Barnabas, and Barnabas was a better fit for him and more encouraging to him. And then I think for Paul, it wouldn't have worked out to have John Mark on the team. It just, he just wasn't the right personality to have. And so I think they were both right. And I say this because later on in his life, Paul writes to Timothy, and Paul tells Timothy, you know what? I want you to come to me, but I also want you to bring John Mark. So later on in Paul's life, John Mark became somebody that he was close to again, and someone that he looked upon with respect, and someone that at the end of his life, Paul is much older at this point, and he says, you know what? He's useful. Bring him with you. So Timothy and John Mark both come to Paul. And sometimes we do disagree. And, you know, that's, that's natural that we disagree. How do we handle disagreements? That's the issue. One of my closest friends in the world is uh, Valdor Koha. Valdor is um, uh, an elder in the church in Boston. And Valdor is also a teacher in the church in Boston. And Balder and I, we talk every week, okay, on Wednesdays, and we've been doing this for a few years now, uh, partly because we just like to talk to each other, and we like to, when we laugh at each other, and, you know, if the, if the Giants are doing better in football, then I'm really happy, and I let him have it with his Patriots, and uh, the same in baseball and other things, um, and we just have a good time uh, with each other. But we also talk about the teaching ministry. We get into uh, how to improve the teaching ministry and things like that. But there was a point in time, a few years back, in which Valder and I almost lost our relationship with each other. And it came because of an issue in the church that someone had done some writing on, and I wrote and agreed with this position and put it in writing that I agree with this position. And Valder didn't. He didn't agree with this position, okay? And so basically at that point, we were on opposite ends of the spectrum on this one issue, like Paul and Barnabas with John Mark. And we talked about it and it got heated. And um, I mean, I pulled out the Greek New Testament on him and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, were, we were really debating this issue to the point that we just had to say, you know what, we're going to have to agree to disagree because you don't see the way I, you don't see it the way I see it, and I don't see it the way you see it. Let's agree to disagree. But our feelings 
didn't catch up with that decision. We weren't feeling great about each other. And we were, you know, we were just like, one, we, there were thoughts of, but you're going to hurt the church with this position. And so there were those types of feelings going on. And I remember we didn't talk for a bit. We didn't talk for a bit because of that very disagreement that we had. It was as, as it's in the text here, a sharp disagreement. But then I was, went to a conference, and Valder was at that conference. It was one of the New England conferences that many of us went to. And usually at those conferences, Valder and I, I always spend time together. We'll always have a meal together, but neither of us contacted each other about getting together. And I can remember I was running, I was hurrying, not running, I was hurrying down the hallway one day to get to my next class. And I turned the corner, and there, hurrying to get to his next class, was Valder. And we almost bumped into each other. And so we both hit, on the, hit our brakes, and we looked at each other. And immediately, we were like, ah, we got to fix this. And so I said, or he said, one of us said, you know, what are you doing right now? And I said, well, I was going to go to this class. And he said, well, I was going to go to that class. And I said, well, it makes sense that we're going to different classes. <laughs> and, and then we said, you know what, let's skip our classes and let's talk. And that's what we did. And I can remember the exact place in the hallway. We went down to a deserted part of the building and we pulled out these chairs and we just sat across from each other. And we decided our relationship is bigger than the issue. And our relationship is more important than the issue. And we put it to rest. And every now and then, something will come up about that issue, and he and I will just, just look at each other and chuckle because it didn't split the church. It didn't cause people to lose their faith. It wasn't anything like that. And, uh, but, and we just kept our relationship. Um, and that's what friends do. You can disagree on things and still remain friends. You can disagree sharply on things and still remain friends. Now, I know that's not easy, and I know that it doesn't always happen, but Paul and Barnabas, it happened for them, and with Valder and me, it happened for us, and I think the bigger thing is in looking at this is we just have to make a decision that we are going to be there for each other. I want to close by just saying, um, I love Valder, and I love him in spite of the fact that he pulls for the Patriots, and he pulls for the Red Sox, and he pulls for the Celtics. We're just together in Jesus, and we still disagree on things. We actually agree on more than we disagree on, but now when we disagree on things, we're like, you know what? I can see why you're saying that. Do you see why I'm saying this? Okay, let's move on. In our relationships, we need to have friends that are good spiritual friends. Let's be grateful for our spiritual friendships that we've developed in our life. Let's not take spiritual friendships for granted. Instead, let's devote ourselves to spiritual friends. Let's help spiritual friends that we have grow and mature in Jesus. Find those friends who love at all times and invest in those relationships because this is an investment for eternity. Let me close out with a little prayer that I have put together here. Dear Father, we are to love one another. We are to be one as you and Jesus are one. 
We are to love as Jesus loved. You have set a high standard here. As I walk the one another way, help me to love like Jesus loved. Help us to need people in our lives and see that need. Help us to see the need to grow and mature and become more like Jesus and find the right people that will help us to grow and mature. Help us to be intentional in our friendships, to develop new friendships, to have daily friends, to have lifelong friends. And help us, Father, to always look to Jesus as a friend as well. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's us stand. We're going to sing one more song and... Uh, I'm excited about this last song. You're going to love it. It's going to be awesome.